People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk family with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm. Join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or on our website to hear us three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and the Facebook group of the same name. And also follow us on Facebook. And if you want to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our soon-to-launch YouTube channel, and now on with this week's show. Welcome again, Brothers Talk family, as we're joining you in the car, in the gym, in the den, the kitchen, the barbershop, or the beauty shop, in the backyard, on the corner, or wherever you hold your relevant conversations to spur critical thinking and activism around support for the Black community. And to the first-time listeners, we're glad you joined us as part of our worldwide family, and we hope you'll help spread the word about this podcast where we promote critical thought, enlightened conversations, and new business opportunities to empower and enrich our community. It's another day in these ununited states of America where COVID is back in full force, with people continuing to be hospitalized and die from it, while the idiotic debate still rages on about the personal freedom to get vaccinated or wear a mask. And speaking of personal freedoms, in the same ununited states of America, the insane debate continues about the right to own assault weapons, which are only good for killing people, and also continues with the same gun nuts claiming they're concerned about what goes into their children's minds, CRT anyone, but not enough to care about their little brains being blown out. And while we're at it in these ununited states of America, we are still seeing police shootings of unarmed black people almost get pushed to the back of the conscious mind because of all the other crazy that's going on. But not here, not here, my brothers and my sisters. We'll keep reminding the world because we are that part of that endangered species that every time we black men wake up, we have to think like this may be our last day on this planet. The police are killing us in the streets, in our cars, and even our homes but somehow we still can't get the George Floyd crime bill passed. Asian hate crime bill passed almost overnight, but here we are a full two years removed from the murder of George Floyd and Congress still hasn't passed it. Let's talk about it, brothers. My brothers in the struggle for critical thinking, Scott and Norm. Thanks, Rod. Hey, family. I hope y'all had a, a uh, good holiday weekend and, and tried to be safe. Uh, I'm still concerned about COVID. Uh, uh, that's to me, that's like still the number one issue in this country that people are just basically ignoring. You know, it's like we don't care. We're going back to normal. I heard somebody say that, that, hey, people don't care about COVID anymore. We're just going back to normal. I'm like, how, you know, how do you do that? How do you just, just, I, uh, you know, I just don't get it. But be safe, Norm. And just to follow up on what you just said, Scott, you know, you see institutions like New Jersey Transit. Uber and certain stores are allowing people to walk around and ride, you know, without masks on and without social distancing. And as Rod mentioned, you know, COVID's still here and uh, we're still experiencing pretty high um, rates of COVID in the community. So please, this is health and this is the real wealth in the community. Let's get it together, people. So we're putting it out there that if you live in a district or state across this country where your representatives are not supporting the crime bill, 
gun control and anti-COVID measures, then you need to be campaigning against them as hard as you can, even if that means running for office yourself. Think about it. You've got people who are always coming after your vote and making idle promises. And so we're talking across the board. In a lot of these gerrymandered districts, you have members of the Black Caucus. And I saw something that really made me laugh out loud when I saw the Black Caucus issuing a statement that they will not rest until Brittany Griner is free. And in my mind, I thought to myself, well, Brittany Griner better start learning to speak Russian because there isn't anybody less useful. And a lot of these Black representatives are in mostly Black districts. That's how they gerrymandered them to make sure that they diluted, really, the Black votes that might have been across the district lines and other uh, municipalities. But the bottom line is they're not getting it done. And if they're not getting it done, then we need to be calling them out. We can't sit by and still just be happy to have a Black face in there because when Black faces stay in Congress and government too long, they become career politicians only focused on lining their own pockets and they do less and less for the community. So if they won't enact term limits themselves, then let's put term limits on them at the ballot box. You know, Rod, that's exactly what needs to happen. Term limits. And, you know, what we got to do, what I want to see Black people do, I want, I want us to just grow up, mature. Let's mature politically in a lot, in a lot of other ways. Let's stop you know, being a scared kid sitting on the sidelines, hoping that somebody do something for us, or somebody save us. Nobody's coming to save us. We got to be mature about what's going on. We got to be adults uh, and we got to pay attention to what's going on around us. And the people that we're, like Rod said, the people that we're putting in the office, if they're not service, servicing our community, if they're not doing what we put them in, put them in there for, let's not even wait until the next election. Let's recall them and let's put somebody in there who has some guts, who has some balls to stand up to this nonsense that's going on now. I'm hoping that what people are seeing and, and COVID has exposed a lot of things, but what people are seeing now that your Congress people and your senators, they're not that much smarter than you. And a lot of them aren't as smart as you. They're just downright, they're just, they're just stupid. They're just fortunate enough to be, be rich for whatever reason. And so you're seeing that these people aren't special. So why can't it be one of us or one of you? You know, Rod, you mentioned the George Floyd bill. The Democrats control both houses and have the presidency. But we have a president who wants to increase funding for police, not increase any social programs, not increase after school issues. He's not doing anything for the people. He's just empowering the same racist organization that's doing most of the killing in our community. Now, why can we look to them for any change or support our communities at all? That's the issue here, in my opinion. We, just, we can't look to the Democrats for anything. Scott, I like what you said about the recall process, because, you know, that's even more immediate. Instead of having to wait for a full two-year term to elapse, then if we started 
putting out their petitions to recall some of these elected officials, then I think that'll start to get their attention faster. But we cannot, as you said, allow ourselves to sit on the sidelines, continuing to hope that things are going to get better because we are in a racist system that has no intention of doing the right thing by us. And when our black elected leaders get into office and become part of the system, they're then part of the problem and not the solution. As you said, Norm, you're talking about a president who once again found another $75 million worth of weapons that he can send to Ukraine. And so while they may be weapons, they still had a dollar value. And so who's paying for that? And where are the dollars for the inner city programs? Where are the dollars to be put behind efforts to mobilize for the George Floyd crime bill? Where are the Democrats to call out the Republicans? And if the Democrats won't call out the Republicans, then we need to call out the Democrats. Exactly. And that's what I, that's what I mean. We need a, we need a, a, a people to just step up. I mean, uh, we've been talking about this now for a couple of years. I, I do see there was some momentum during the uh, George Floyd protest uh, when the Black Lives Matter protests. There was some momentum there. But what seemed to happen is that the old guards kind of got in the way and shut that down because, uh, you know, it, it, it just didn't go anywhere. We need some energy from younger people. Younger people need to get engaged. They need to understand the system. I, I think that a lot of them are, but I don't think they feel like they got permission to participate because they're not being invited to help uh, solve some of these problems. That's the, case. That's the group that we got to turn to, the younger group. But even the younger group can't get past the Democrats. The Democrats are masterful at hijacking any movement and destroying it. They are the party of the status quo. Literally, if you look at young people in Parkland or any group that is trying to actually have any kind of movement for change, the Democrats will infiltrate that group and destroy the movement. That's what they do. That's why any actual change cannot be associated with the Democratic Party, but literally has to take on the Democratic Party head on. Well, I think a part of that is true, Norm, but I think what you left out, you should have said the establishment Democrats, because as we are seeing, you've got some progressive Democrats out there, you know, the AOCs and the Ileana Omars and, and you know, the squad and, and some new Congress people who are in there and they are actually representing a more liberal wing that is focused on trying to get some of these gun control laws, trying to get the crime bill passed. And so what has to happen is we got to really go after like establishment Democrat wing, because what scares me the most really with the young people is that a lot of these mass shooters are now young people. 
And so that tells me that they're being co-opted by radicalization from the far right and white supremacists. And one of the things that I've noticed that I really haven't seen amongst the young people, they have done a lot of great things. And I have a lot of faith in what they are able to effect this change going forward. But I do worry about the fact that they are a little bit too complacent when they know that they've got some of these real bad seeds amongst them. You know, we are a part of a previous generation where, yeah, there were skinheads and neo-Nazis and stuff like that, but we ostracized them. So they never really had an opportunity to gain the kind of momentum that's what's going on with a lot of these radicalized young people now who are falling subject to this white replacement theory nonsense. And so that's one of the things that does concern me quite a bit, that younger people are taking up arms and some of their contemporaries aren't really sounding the alarm about them. Yeah, that that gun control thing is is an issue that I, I just, to me, that should be like one of the number one issues in this country. I was talking to a couple of guys about that the other day, and they were saying that they didn't think that it was going to ever change. And I, and I said, no, nah, you know, it's, it's going to change. Even if, if it doesn't happen in my lifetime, it's going to change when when the public just had enough of it and looked like we're, you know, we're at the tipping point, tipping point now with that. But I just, it's just, it's just kind of, to me, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why you would keep voting people in who really, don't care about your safety, your welfare, your well-being, nor your family well-being, nor children's well-being. But you keep putting these people in the office. I just don't get it. Yeah, well, you know, we pretty much summed up my feelings towards uh, what's happening in this country in regards to uh, our safety and our government's protection. And um, unless we mobilize get a good solid 10% of us concentrating on our issues and holding everyone accountable. We're going to be dealing with this for generations to come as we did as the last generation has dealt with it. So once again, we're putting it out there. If you live in a district or state across this country where your representatives are not supporting the crime bill, gun control, anti-COVID measures, then you need to start a recall campaign. You need to start campaigning against them and you may even need to think about running for office. So in our Black Business Spotlight of the Week, meet the female founder of a Black-owned tax firm that's grossed $1.5 million in three months. Dr. Shawanda S. Moore, also known as the tax doctor, is the founder and CEO of Royal Financial Services. Dr. Moore has also coached her software partners to grow their tax businesses this year. More than 10 of her tax software partners have grossed twice the amount from the previous year around the same time. She's the author of Introduction to Tax Preparation, The Tax Doctor Saves Christmas, Budgeting and Saving with the Tax Doctor, Starting a Business with the Tax Doctor, and Small Business Records. In addition, Dr. Moore sells her own software to those joining the tax industry, including direct coaching and training. She's currently accepting new software partners interested in starting their own businesses. All of the products and services mentioned above are available to all individuals across the United States. She says that 30% of the proceeds from her book sales go toward the scholarship fund of Royal Financial Services 
to assist high school students in transitioning to college or starting their own businesses. Royal Financial Services began this scholarship in 2021 and was able to assist two students with purchasing books and supplies. She's also hosted several free youth and adult seminars on entrepreneurship, and she desires to continue growing her tax company, Royal Financial Services, and her online tax company, Royal Tax Box, which allows individuals to prepare their own taxes. Her desired goals will assist her in becoming a positive influence for those individuals who wish to follow in her footsteps as an entrepreneur. So she's getting it done on both fronts. She's doing the doggone thing as an entrepreneur and creating new pathways for more entrepreneurs. So learn more about her services at the tax doctor. That's D-O-C-T-A dot com. As our reach and influence grows, thanks in no small part to you, family, we are now receiving outreach from authors, entrepreneurs, and subject matter experts that we're happy to provide a platform for, for those who are like-minded in their pursuit of critical thought, financial self-sufficiency, and, well, just basically black love. So next week, our guest will be author and former Erie County, Pennsylvania prosecutor and public defender, Elvidge Murphy, who will be sharing with us about his book chronicling his personal journey entitled My Debt to You. So help us get the word out and be sure to listen in next week. That's a wrap for another program. And God willing, we'll keep our focus on the issues that impact our community on the path to a better future. Don't forget, you can follow and communicate with us, sending your comments, questions, and show ideas to The Brothers Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Until the next episode, as always, we sincerely appreciate your time and interest. And rest assured that we'll never take it or you for granted. And remember, let's do better today because that's all we really have.